Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you. Another Friday evening where we are set to continue our exploration into these keys. These keys and how to better respond to that question, can you pray for me? You know, out from my various programming here at Seeds of Truth, I received a lot of questions. And one of the questions that always came back to me was, the question about intercessory prayer, and, and specifically how, how it would come up in conversation that we often get that question, can you pray for me? Or can you pray for this job or, or that person? Right, so what I thought we could do is set out to really explore that, and this is what we are doing, and right now we are really in the midst, in the throes of this reflection of how to better respond to the question, can you pray for me? And we are going through 10 keys, and Right now we are in the fifth key, fifth key part two, right? And what is this fifth key but praying with fervor? Uh, last week we got a reflection started by engaging that all-important passage from James chapter 5, verse 16, right? The fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful in its effects. Uh, so there in a reflection we highlighted that to pray with fervor is to pray in the Spirit with the conviction that God has put something on our heart to pray for, and of course, in the case of intercessory prayer, the desired request, right? Now, what we need to emphasize here is that fervent prayer is also earnest. In fact, some of the translations you'll read there in James 5.16, uh, earnest fervent prayer, or earnest steadfast fervent prayer. So, fervent prayer is earnest. And when you start talking about earnest prayer, you are talking about that which is quite opposite to what is superficial or what is lethargic, right? It is, we could say, an intense, sincere uh, confidence in God. And yes, while passionate, something we'll explore even more this evening, be rest assured, my friends, earnest prayer is just not some uh, whipping up of emotions or simply generating exciting sounds or words. No, earnest, fervent prayer is praying with everything you've got. This is why it's so closely linked to that third key of praying from the heart, because really, earnest, fervent prayer is praying with Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. What do we read there? And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So here's the link between praying from the heart and fervent prayer, the link being Jeremiah 29, verse 13. All right, so it is here where we can begin to pick up where we left off last week as we were reflecting upon the beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This, this is a very important beatitude for us because it was the fervent prayer of a what man? A righteous man, a, a man of upright standing right before God. So what does it mean to hunger and thirst for more righteousness, for, for more holiness? In Scripture, my friends, when Jesus uses a metaphor that is, we could say, a human condition, 
We ought to reflect upon the human condition for insight into the spiritual reality. Jesus is the master teacher, and he is very intentional in every intonation of syllable and word that he uses. I think we don't have to use too much of our imagination to understand what I'm saying there, right? Now, as it reflects the metaphor itself, what is Jesus wanting us to see? Well, hunger and thirst are the most natural expressions of the basic human need and desire for food and water, right? One of the clear indicators that something is wrong with our physical health is that we lose our appetite, right? It is the same in the spiritual life. To hunger and thirst for God is at the very root of our being. We were created in his image and our hearts are unsettled until they desire and are settled in God, huh? When there is no hunger for the presence of God, it is an indicator, my friends, that something is wrong spiritually. Again, by Jesus invoking the natural human condition of hunger and thirst, he wishes we reflect upon the spiritual in lieu of the physical, and of course, vice versa, the physical in lieu of the spiritual. And so, in this vein, my dear friends, I pose to you several questions. When was the last time you were hungry or thirsty? Did it become a preoccupation to what you were doing? At what lengths did you go to have your fill? And how good did did that food and drink taste? I think these are important questions as we muse, ponder over our Lord's beatitude. And as you ask these questions, be honest with yourselves and hear, yes, use your imagination. And as you do, Transpose your reflection on hunger and thirst to your walk with God, asking another question. Do I hunger and thirst for God as much as I ought? The psalmist might help us here when he uh, prays in Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 to 2, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Brothers and sisters, do we echo the psalmist's ache for holiness, for righteousness? And what does it mean to say holiness or righteousness? I think that's an important question as we're kind of drawing this out. I am like others on this matter. I find it difficult to put holiness to words. In my experience, it has been much easier to point to someone who is holy rather than describe someone who's holy. Right? St. Mother Teresa is my description of holiness, and all I have to do is Point to Mother Teresa, and you know what I mean by holiness. But yeah, God does challenge us to put holiness to words, and so we try. Holiness is to walk in the presence of God. God is love. So we can say that holiness is to love as God loves, right? This love is first received and then shared. We are transformed by God's effective love to then enter into what that love looks like in concrete acts as we seek to affect others in how we love. To love is to will the good of the other for the sake of other, expecting nothing in return. We receive the goodness of God's love, and as we do, we live this love out as we encounter one another. And, oh, by the way, this sets us apart from a world that loves less. The most basic meaning of the Hebrew word, if we're going to try to tackle what holiness means, the Hebrew word is kadosh. It literally translates as to be set apart or to be dedicated to God. 
in essence, to belong to God. We are set apart by God's action in our hearts and our subsequent response to it. Again, what is holiness? (laughs) Mother Teresa's holiness, because Mother Teresa embodies what I just talked about. In the end, the soul that has been captured by a hunger and thirst for righteousness is blessed, being filled up, as it were, in the holiness of God. Now, the natural outgrowth of this holiness is to be set aglow with fervor, right? To be set aglow with fervor, set on fire with with God's love. We could say that holiness is God's boiling hot fire of the Holy Spirit dwelling deep within the caverns of our heart. So prayer then is holy because you have been set on fire by God who is our, as Hebrews chapter 12, 29 reminds us, consuming fire. You know, scientists tell us that the sun is an estimated 5,778 degrees. Give or take a few degrees, I'm sure. (laughs) This great solar ball of fire occasionally sends off flares, which are these brief eruptions of intense high-energy radiation from its surface. And it often causes these, these kind of electromagnetic disturbances on the Earth. Brothers and sisters, when we abide in the boiling hot fire of God, that is the gift of the Holy Spirit, our intercessory prayer emits, I dare say, great solar flares bringing about change where necessary, often disturbing what has become so conventional in our everyday life. Now, as we talk about fire, there's so much to be said here in sacred scripture. Fire is very much in sacred scripture a revelation of the many faces of God's love. You see the word used over 40 times in sacred scripture. And here, I would just like to reflect upon just a few to underscore our point of fervent prayer. In the burning bush and pillar of fire, what does God do? God makes his presence known and and leads his people uh, in the dark. This face of love manifests God's presence when we have lost our way and and our need of God's guidance. In Pentecost, God dispenses the gift of the Holy Spirit in the form of tongues of fire, right? And gives the apostles the power to interpret the unknown, bringing understanding from what was once foreign. This face of love very much reveals the power of God and makes possible the call to participate in God's inner life. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so as to participate, as Second Peter 1, 4 says, in his divine nature. And as we do, we come to an understanding of God. On the road to Emmaus, the disciples found their hearts burning within them when Christ broke open scriptures. This face of love, my friends, reveals Scripture as what but a personal encounter with the Word of God as their hearts were lit by opening up uh, Scriptures. Fervent prayer, then, comes out from a life lived in the many faces of love. It begins with a burning within, brought about by our personal encounter with Christ and the Word of God. Like the burning bush and pillar of fire, it manifests God's presence in the darkness. And we could also say, like the tongues of fire, it brings intelligibility into what was once unintelligible. Fervent prayer, my friends, is the face of love, the face of the Holy Spirit. It is a burn, a light, 
a willingness, a flair that makes God's way comprehensible. Now, as we treat this topic of fervent prayer and the call to be absorbed by the Holy Spirit, we recognize its kinship with enthusiasm. What do I mean by that? Enthusiasm comes from the Greek word compound entheos, which translates as to bear God within. So quite literally, my friends, the enthusiastic soul for Christ is a God-bear. Enthusiasm is, we could say, the manifestation of an interior spark, an interior motivation brought about by the Holy Spirit. Enthusiasm expresses itself with a zeal, fervency, and conviction for God. If you were to draw this out in a secular context, when you encounter someone who is very enthusiastic about a team, one might say that they have a zealous devotion to that team. There is, we could say, a preoccupation with that team. The enthusiastic soul for Christ is preoccupied with Christ. That's what we want to see, huh? Enthusiasm, my friends, is first an interior grace, which we could also say then is a manifestation of joy. Of course, we know joy as one of the great fruits of the Holy Spirit. And as such, it is a strong light, a grace that dispels darkness. In short, my friends, joy is grace. As noted by Benedict XVI in his third volume of Jesus of Nazareth, he makes note, and I think this is so important, the two words, joy and grace, share the same root, kara and karis. As he concludes, joy and grace belong together. In the end, what could we say about fervent prayer? That fervent prayer is the prayer that springs forth from the heart that has been consumed by the fire of God. It is a persevering prayer that that tends to present itself as an impassioned plea. Go to the great saints of the church. Listen to their cry for God to intervene. There's a whole lot of fervent prayer there. Often, fervent prayer also presents itself as enthusiastic and joy-filled. Always earnest, always steadfast, and always yielding great power in its effects. Amen. Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 530 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.